You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children who want change. Be inspired by women from across the globe who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Now, Women to Watch. Here's your host, Sue Rocco. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I'm thrilled to be back in the studio, and I will be joined this evening by Jennifer Dulski. And Jennifer is the head of groups and communities at Facebook, and she'll be joining me in just a moment. Um, As a reminder, as we go into our breaks, be sure to stay with us for our watch team of on-air contributors who will be bringing you all kinds of great information around your health, leadership, finance, technology, diversity, and education. And uh, a reminder also that Dawn Zier, the CEO of Nutrisystem, will be joining us in January for our brand new Wellness Watch. So stay tuned for that. As our listening audience continues to grow, I'm so grateful to receive messages from many of you who are tuning into the show. So please feel free to reach out to me anytime at womentowatch.net. That's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T, and sign up for our monthly newsletter uh, so you can stay in the know on our lineup and, and all the good things happening around Women to Watch. So now I'd like to welcome to the show uh, Jennifer Dulski, the head of groups and communities at Facebook. Thanks for having me. Hi, it's great to have you. Are, I'm assuming you're on the West Coast right now. Are we talking? I am. Okay. Yes, I am. How's I'm in the Menlo we- Park? Where? Say again. I'm in Menlo Park, California. Yeah. Okay. In the Bay Area. In the Bay Area. Very nice. Um, And that's a long uh, way away from Chicago, which I understand is your place of birth. Um, However, you did grow up in San Francisco. And I'd love to talk to you just for a few minutes about 
your upbringing and, and what it was like growing up with a mom who worked full time, what that influence sure. was on you. Yeah, I mean, my mom is a pretty incredible woman. I feel very lucky to have, have grown up both in the place I did, which is San Francisco, and with the parents I did. Um, my mom actually, first of all, she she had cancer when she was in her 20s uh, and survived that. But one of the things that happened as part of the surgery she had is that one of the nerves was cut during her surgery and left her paralyzed on one side of her face. And so I've grown up with a mom who not only worked full time, but also in some ways had a physical disability. And to see her determination and how she was able to progress in her career with all the challenges she faced Mm. was just an incredible role model for me. She actually also changed careers uh, in her 30s. She went to business school at night and she talks about how getting that first job out of business school was a really tough challenge because she was a career changer. She had 51 interviews before she got a job offer. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Exactly. Well, but s- then she ended up becoming a you know very successful consultant and had a really successful career. Wow. Um, that's, yeah, that's a tough start to uh, cancer in, in her 20s. That's, you know, unusual. Um, mm-hmm. How did just to talk about that for a minute, how does that influence you today? Is it something that you think about that you worry about for yourself? Well, it's interesting. I, and I think we may mention uh, that I wrote a book recently called Purposeful. And one of the stories that I tell in the book is that I actually also was diagnosed with a brain tumor when I was in my late 20s. Um, and so I do, I do think about it. Mine was benign, but I still had to have surgery for it. And we have that sort of uncanny connection of something in common. We both had those surgeries right before we had our first children. Wow. Wow. Well, you know what? It's it, it's interesting. W- one of the questions that I often ask my guests um, is, you know, kind of what is it that keeps you up at night? You know, what is it that, that brings you worry? Um and I know that you're a mom of two daughters, so yes. that answers one of my questions, right? <laughs> yeah. How could it not? I dreamt all last night about some, something about one of my kids. So, yes, that's definitely true. Wow. Well, so here's, here's a question for you. It, with that, you know, um, piece of your story and that, you know, that's significant, um, is it any part of your drive? So, you know, in doing my homework and reading about you, you've you've been incredibly successful from a standpoint of leading some very high-profile companies and, and being in leadership roles. And I'm always curious to know where that drive comes from, whether it is something that you're doing, um, be, you know, for the excitement of the challenge, um, whether you're trying to prove something to yourself or someone else. Um, does it have any you know, um, bearing on the drive that, that I've seen and learned about you? Yeah, I think there are two things that really drive me. One is that I recognize that I grew up uh, in a life of privilege, essentially, not, not only location and 
geography and economics and so forth, but also what what my what the founder of Change.org calls love privilege, which is you know growing up in a family that you know loves you, that believes in what you can do, and as part of that, I was raised with the sense of importance of giving back, mm-hmm. and so I've just always felt my whole life that it is important to give back, uh, and you know from being a I started my career actually as a high school teacher and founding a nonprofit called, uh, it's now called a Breakthrough Collaborative. Um, Is that Summerbridge? Pennsylvania, exactly. Yeah, Um, yeah. Oh, good. I wanted to talk to, I want to ask you about that as we're going to go into a break. And when we come back, I, I really wanted to know what the catalyst was for your decision to do that um, and how you raised the money. So stay tuned. We will be right back as we go into our break. Stay tuned for our Leadership Watch with Holly Dowling and our Health Watch with Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Women to Watch. Leadership Watch. Hi, everybody. Holly Dowling here with your Leadership Watch. And today I'm going with one of my most favorite mantras, and that word is inspiration. Are you an inspirational leader? Are you an inspirational person? Are you waking up every day feeling inspired? Because if you're not, trust me, everyone knows, and it's a ripple effect. It's like the penny in the pond. It has a ripple. No matter how you're feeling, everyone around you is being influenced by that energy. So when you feel inspired and energized, you feel on top of the world. We can hear it through the phone. We can see it in your face. It doesn't matter if you're at the grocery store having an encounter with the clerk or if you're leading a team meeting or even more so leading an organization big kickoff for the year. So my question to you is, are you inspired? And if you're not, what's it going to take? And you see, the reason this is so important to me is I've been asked this numerous times, and probably many of you listening to Susan's Women to Watch show, and you've heard my Leadership Watch segments, you probably think that Holly Dowling is a motivational speaker. Everyone puts it into those terms. And I'm really adamant about saying I am not a motivational speaker. I am an inspirational thought leader. More importantly, I am an inspiration because I truly believe, and I want you all to hear this, we cannot motivate others. So if you're a leader today listening, please trust me with this. You can't motivate your team or your organization. What you can do is inspire them to be motivated because you see motivation is intrinsic. People find it within themselves to be motivated. We can only beat them to death and keep them depleted and unmotivated, but you can lead by example, be an inspired leader and inspire others to find their gifts, find their extraordinary talents, and then bring it, bring it every day to your work, to your life, and to the people you love. I'd love to hear from you. So please reach out and share your story at hollydowling.com. Do you have a financial advisor who you trust that looks at you as more than just a number? At the Foley Hillsley Group, that person is Kristen Hillsley. Kristen's team has a different approach to managing your wealth called the Panorama Process. This unique process helps you obtain your financial goals easily because it's more than just investments, it's about you. To learn more, visit their website at fhbaird.com or call 610-238-6636. The Foley-Hilsey Group is affiliated with Robert W. Baird & Company, Incorporated Member SIPC. Log on to fhbaird.com to learn more. That's fhbaird.com. So if you need a financial advisor you can trust, call Kristen Hillsley at 610-238-6636. 
That's 610-238-6636. Now, the women to watch. Health Watch. For Health Watch, I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Every week I remind you to treat yourself like a diva. If you don't take care of yourself, no one else will. Promise yourself to schedule an annual checkup with your primary care doctor because good health includes treatment for any current problems, but also includes preventive care, which depends on age, sex, risk factors such as tobacco use, sexual activity, pregnancy status, and family history. Just because you feel fine doesn't mean you can skip well checkups. For instance, do you know the symptoms of high blood pressure? No? Well, that's because most of the time there are no symptoms. It's one of the many silent killers. The Center for Disease Control tells us the top five leading causes of death, heart disease, cancer, stroke, and others, up to 40% of these deaths are preventable. Tell your doctor if you have anything in particular bothering you. When did it start? Does anything make it better or worse, like eating or time of day? Rate the pain on a scale of one to 10. Does it wake you from a sound sleep? Then make a list of your medical history and any surgeries you've had. Be ready to answer, do you have blurry vision, headaches, dizziness, fatigue? Do you get chest pain or shortness of breath when you go up steps? Night sweats? GI symptoms like nausea or vomiting, unexpected weight loss, change in your bowel movements, is there blood on the toilet tissue, do you have acid reflux, burning or bleeding with your urine, and so on. Are your periods regular? Then make a list of your medicines, including those you buy for yourself like aspirin and Motrin-like meds, or meds that you borrow from your spouse or friend. Are you allergic to meds or foods? Be honest about caffeine and alcohol intake. Do you smoke? Do you vape? Do you use recreational drugs? And know your family history of heart disease and cancers. So divas, first thing tomorrow, pick up the phone and schedule your annual physical because an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Thanks for joining us. I'm talking to Jennifer Dulski this evening. She's the head of groups and community at Facebook. And just before the break, we were talking about, um, I would say, kind of um, moments in our life that are um, not necessarily pivotal, but but important. And um, you were mentioning uh, a nonprofit that you founded. Talk a little bit more about that and, and what the catalyst was for that. Sure. So I started the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania site of a nonprofit, which is called Summerbridge. It's now part of what's called the Breakthrough Collaborative. And it's a program to help really motivated but under-resourced kids become the first in their families to go to college. And it's quite unique uh, in the way it's set up because it's a summer and after-school program where all the teaching is done by high school and college students. And so it has this really powerful students teaching students model that invests a lot of responsibility and trust in young people. And I was a teacher in the program when I was in college. And because they placed so much trust in me, I believed that as a brand new college graduate, I could move to a new city and start my own site of this program, raise all the money and get the program started, which is exactly what I did when I was you know, 21 and right out of college. Mm-hmm. And the program just celebrated its 25th anniversary, so it's wow. still running. Oh, and that's fantastic. Thousands of kids, yeah, yeah. have gone to college through this program. So, well, you know, one of the toughest things is is raising the money, right? So, you know, people can have very 
good ideas and good intentions and want to give back, as you mentioned. But um, what was your tactic for raising the money initially? Yeah, so in the book that I wrote, Purposeful, which is about how all of us have the power to be movement starters, to rally people behind a common purpose and mobilize that vision for change that you have, I talk about the skills that it takes to do this. And they are similar to what I did in those early days at Summerbridge, raising the money. And the first step is to have a clear vision, a clearly articulated desired future and a story that brings that vision to life. So I could tell stories of what kids' lives would look like. And I had examples in this case of people who had been through the program in other places. And with that story and my passion behind it, you know, I basically went out and asked other people to join in, to join me in the movement we were starting. And that's what got them so excited. It was the combination of story plus the data. They could see that it, this program would work and that the results would follow. And they did. Mm. Um, let's talk about the importance of, of meaningful work and purpose as, as described in your book. I wanted to know, I, I guess I wanted to ask you what in your current role is meaningful for you as head of of groups at Facebook? I have to say this job is actually one of the most meaningful jobs I've ever had. And I've had a lot of of jobs with purpose in my life. But Mm. what we do, you know, Facebook groups is used by 1.4 billion people every month, people literally around the world in every part of the world. And it's used for people to come together to build connection and a sense of belonging over the things that matter to them most in their lives. So I get to work supporting community leaders who build groups around parenting, around health issues, around natural disasters, around their local neighborhoods, literally anything that people care about, struggle with, or even those kind of unusual things that make you feel alone and different there is a community for that on Facebook. So you look at things like one of my favorite examples is back of the pack. It's a group for people who love to run, but run very slowly. Oh, oh, I love that. (laughs) That would be me in the back of the pack. (laughs) Exactly. And they were like, oh, I'm alone. But all of a sudden now they're together and they run together, but they're back of the pack and they have their, you know, their tribe and there's groups for everything. You know, I look at a group of surgeons that are doing a very particular, unusual type of surgery and they don't have a lot of people directly around them. And Mm -hmm. so they post in the Facebook group and they post videos and say, has anyone seen this before? And they contribute and help each other. So they're work-related, they're life-related. I personally, as you noted, I have two um, older daughters. One's in college. She's actually in college uh, in Philadelphia. Oh, and great, great. I'm, I'm in a group of parents of older kids. It's called Grown and Flown Parents. Okay. And the things you see people coming together around are, you know, someone would say, my daughter's in college. I just got a text that she was in a car accident and she's on the way to the ER. Wow. I'm thousands of miles away. And suddenly in the group, within minutes, people are posting, I live in Texas. I can be there in half an hour. I'm a nurse. I'll go to the ER. And it's just amazing what, what you see kind of the best of humanity coming out. Absolutely. You know, I think Facebook obviously was one of the very 
early or first platforms to, you know, to create these communities and bring people together um, to share ideas and, and information. What, you know, one of my listeners uh, wrote in, she saw that I was going to be interviewing you and she had a question kind of regarding the flip side of, of uh, some of the worries around security and information being used that you might not want to be used as a member. So tell me what some of your goals are and, and what you plan to do in this role um, to address Facebook communities that might have concern about information. Absolutely. We take this extremely seriously. And I have a big part of my team that works on keeping groups safe and making sure that we're clear about privacy and, and so forth. So one of the things that we do is we have different types of groups based on the privacy levels people want. So there are some groups, we call them secret groups, that are entirely private. No one can see even the membership of the group or the content of the group unless they're a member in the group. We also do a lot of work to make sure we're keeping harmful content out of Facebook groups and keeping those communities safe. That's terrific. We can talk a little bit more about that when we come back from the break. Uh, I'm talking to Jennifer Dolsky, the head of community and groups at Facebook. Stay with us during the break for our Finance Watch and our Tech Watch. We'll be right back. The Women to Watch Finance Watch. Hi, this is Maggie Carrado. This is Terry McDermott. And we're from Fortis Wealth. As we reflect back on 2018, let us also take a walk back in time to recap our past Finance Watch segments. Here are our top 10 takeaways of our time with you on Women to Watch. One, women have what it takes to control their investments and make a positive impact on their portfolio. Get educated and seek the help of a financial professional. Don't be intimidated. Two, financial literacy for children begins at home and falls mostly on us as parents. Start small with lessons on the value of money and move towards financial responsibility. Your kids will thank you as these early lessons can change their financial futures. Three, financial planning is more than saving and investing. It also means protecting your family and assets in the event of premature death. Make sure to evaluate all you do when determining the financial benefit of life insurance. You insure your car, your home, and other assets. Make sure you insure your most valuable one, you. Four, many deductions that were available in the past are either more limited or gone completely with the 2017 Tax Act. Make sure you work with a qualified tax professional to help navigate the new rules and to make sure you are taking full advantage of what is available to you. April 15th will be here before you know it. Five, how well does your advisor know you? How well do you know him or her? Make sure your values and goals are expressed and taken seriously when wealth planning is implemented. Six, invest time along with your money into your retirement plan. How well do you know what is offered through your and your spouse's employer? Do you have an accurate picture of your spending and what additional spending you may incur during retirement? Make sure to connect with your financial advisor to discuss all of your available benefits. Seven, women's overall approach to giving is different than men's. According to a study done by Fidelity Charitable, women are more spontaneous, energetic, and empathetic. Regardless of your income or net worth, there are many ways to give back and maximize your charitable giving. Eight, it is important to review your estate plan every few years to ensure it is still consistent with your situation and goals. Make sure your will, durable power of attorney for health care, and a living will are all part of your planning review. Nine, without a paycheck, how long will savings, credit cards, loans, and other sources last? Always keep an emergency fund for at least a few months. Make sure you have ample disability insurance and familiarize yourself with Social Security disability insurance benefits. Ten, 
An annual stress test of your financial plan can avoid issues before they happen. While there may be time and cost involved with stress testing, it can be cheaper than the financial, emotional, and psychological cost of a plan that is flawed or in conflict with your goals. This is Maggie. And this is Terry. Peace out. Since 1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215-233-3177. That's msjacad.org or 215-233-3177. Introducing Pathways Consulting Group, a company that will align your IT needs with your business goals. Pathways is a full-service ServiceNow partner. What does that mean? It's simple. Pathways will collaborate and design, develop, and deploy solutions for your company today that will define tomorrow. Pathways will provide world-class enterprise service management solutions. Pathways Consulting Group. They listen. They care. They execute. Go to PathwaysCG.com. That's PathwaysCG.com. Now, the women to watch. Tech Watch. Hi, I'm Mary Manso of Pathways Consulting Group. Last week, I talked about the lack of women in the technology industry and why it matters. To recap, when men and women work together, their complementary traits create innovation in the workplace, and technology is all about innovation. Although more companies are including women in their technology roadmap through succession planning, the percentages of women earning computer science degrees keeps decreasing. This approach won't solve the problem if women are not available for the roles. It's a vicious cycle. To break the cycle, we have to address the issue top-down and bottom-up in parallel. This week, we'll discuss some top-down approaches. Many organizations are taking action through gender equality programs and leadership development. Companies are pairing high-performing women with mentors regardless of gender. Mentors at a higher level in the organization help them prepare for their future and provide the visibility of what's needed to advance. Executives are insisting that non-discriminating policies be enforced. One client I work with doesn't reflect salaries to their hiring managers and controls all negotiations to ensure gender equality. Organizations like Women in Technology International are also addressing the issue. They inspire and advocate for women in the technology industry. This organization doesn't discriminate against gender, but instead works side by side to provide mentorship, to lead by example, to close the gender gap and create interest for young women. Programs like this one, Women to Watch, are inspiring and encouraging more women to pursue leadership roles worldwide and influence women through their stories. There are more women advocacy organizations and mentorship programs being formed, and it's incredible. However, marrying the top down to a bottom-up approach is critical if we want to see results. Stay tuned for next week's segment where I'll address the bottom-up. You can reach me at mary at pathwayscg.com. I'm so thrilled to have Jennifer Dulski with me this evening, the head of groups and community at Facebook. And of course, I couldn't do an interview without, you know, talking about security issues at Facebook and even some of the other things that came up during uh, the election period where people are, you know, they're worried that um, information will be 
put out there that could sway people one way or another. Um, so talk a little bit more about what the plans are for Facebook to, to address those issues. Yeah, as I was saying, you know, we take this issue very, very seriously. We have a large number of people now, you know, at the company, we now have 30,000 people working on safety. And in groups alone, a big portion of our team focuses on this, making sure that we keep groups safe, both by proactive detection and removal of content, and also by giving tools to community admins and members so that they can help keep their own groups safe. So things like a leader, an admin who creates any group can create a set of rules for that group uh, and they can decide who stays in and who it, who gets blocked from the group based on who obeys the rules that they've set for their own community and that they are in charge of keeping that group um, safe even beyond uh, what we might require at, at Facebook if they want it to have a higher level of uh of standards or different standards than we set. The other thing that I think is unique about groups is that we have the ability to help people build understanding of each other. So while some of what we do is focused on removing harmful content, I think the bigger opportunity is actually about building empathy because part of what is happening in our world today is people are you know, retreating to their corners. And what we see happening in groups is just the opposite. People build trust over something they have in common. And it mm. might be as small as they love the same kind of dog uh, or they all ride motorcycles, but it doesn't mean they have the same political views or class background, et cetera. And so some examples, we actually saw an example recently in a group in the UK where they all love the same kind of dog. It's a wiener dog group. And they had this very... <laughs> you know, civil conversation about Brexit and about being on opposite sides of that, but they had built up so much trust over what they had in common that they could have that conversation in a really healthy mm. way. I love that. I think that's so true that when, you know, there's a commonality amongst people that's separate from the politics, um, I think what it does is it removes a little bit of the emotion and, right. and the anger that rises up when people try to debate these issues. Um, That's right. And yeah. it's not necessarily about changing each other's minds. It's no. just about understanding each other's perspective. That's right. That's right. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about you. And, um, you know, prior to Facebook, you worked, uh, as you mentioned, change.org. Uh, you were in a leadership role with Yahoo, Google, and DealMap, which was a mm -hmm. site that um, was acquired by Google. And, and you were the first woman um, to sell a company to Google. So you've been in leadership roles with several, you know, large companies. And I guess I wanted to know what what is the catalyst behind the moves for you and, and your desire, I guess, to take on new challenges? Tell me a little bit about what um, it is. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's interesting. So I, I am one of those people who's both driven by learning. I love to learn new things and take try new challenges. And I'm also, in my heart, I think kind of a coach slash teacher. So I have a core belief that my job is to get the best and most out of other people and to help them be their best. And the corollary to that is that it doesn't mean that I always have to be the person doing the job. If I can help someone else be great at doing that job, then that means I can go do something else. And mm. so, you know, the example when I think back to having founded Summerbridge 
you know, I ran it for four years. I found a great person to take it on after me. He took it to the next level. He hired another person. It is still running all these years later, and it doesn't need me to do it every day. That's mm. true. The best movements have movement starters that can pass the torch on to someone else. And so that's what I've done in my career. I've taken on a new challenge where I thought I had the unique capacity to add value. I've done my best to take on that challenge and add that value in each case. And then I've said, okay, who, who else can do this now? And how can I help take on some other challenge? And did you, were you always a confident young woman or was that something that you've grown into over the years because it takes you know confidence to start something new over and over true i think it's a little bit of both i mean i must have had some of it in me to to, you know to start that program in my 20s yes Um, and i also i attribute a lot of it a to my parents uh and B, to my early experiences. So I, I actually talk in Purposeful about my experience as a coxswain on the crew team. Mm-hmm. I don't know if people are familiar with rowing, but there's this role called a coxswain, which you are essentially a, a coach. You sit in the back of the boat and steer during the race, but you also really help the team stay motivated to win, to push themselves harder than they think they can. Yes, You have to give them feedback in real time. And that those early experiences helped me gain the confidence that I could be an effective leader of teams. That's so interesting. I didn't read that about you, but it, it makes sense. So, you know, I used to say my daughter had contemplated that in, in high school. And um, I said, if you're little with a big voice, it's a really good quality exactly. to have, right? Um, and we, right. Want, we want women to speak up. I want to read a quote. Um, you said, see your failures as something you can shout from the rooftop so that others can learn from them too. And I love that because the show is all about really sharing um, the truth about the things that are hard for us um, that our listeners can relate to. So what was a setback for you um, that perhaps was one of your greatest lessons learned? I have had many, many setbacks. um, And I joke that my first big failure was the failure of my driver's test when I was uh, Oh, that's hard. Oh, and I had a spectacular failure. I turned left onto a street I thought was one way into the left lane of what was actually a two-way street. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, it was horrible. I, the, the, the teacher yelled, you fail, you fail. Oh, and gosh. Over in an instant. So That's I've, harder you know, for I've the been, parent, I think, sometimes when their probably. kid loses yeah, or doesn't yeah. pass that test. It was especially hard since my dad was driving me to crew practice at 4.30 in the morning. I don't think there's been a parent that wanted oh. a driver's license for their teen more than him. Right. <laughs> um, listen, well, we're going to talk more with Jennifer Dolsky when we come back. Stay with us during the break for our Education Watch and our Diversity Watch. You're listening to Women to Watch. This is the Women to Watch Diversity Watch. Well, this is Hanadi with your weekly diversity segment. If Satan whispers to people, then who whispers to Satan? A very legitimate question, isn't it? So this is how the story goes in the Quran, the holy book of Muslims. After creating Adam from clay, God asked all the angels to prostrate to Adam. Satan, who back then was elevated with the angels because of his level of dedication and worship to God, refused to do so. When God literally asked him, What prevented you from prostrating when I ordered you? He said, I am better than him. You created me from fire and created him from clay. 
This literal conversation in the Quran is a critical one. Satan's dedication increased him in his arrogance and boasting instead of humility and kindness. Satan's arrogance is the one that caused his eternal exile and resentment towards human beings. In Islam, arrogance is probably the worst trait anyone can have. Arrogance is the belief that a person is superior to another for whatever reason and treats others with conceit and condescendence. It is arrogance that stops a person from accepting the truth that was uttered by a mouth other than theirs. Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, said, Arrogance is disdaining the truth and despising people. Most of the time, people walk away from a relationship with an arrogant person because they feel constantly put down and unacknowledged. Today's prophetic ethic is humility. Humility to consider that we could be wrong. Humility to accept that we're equal to others regardless of our status, race, age, nationality, or title. And most importantly, humility to listen for the sake of listening and considering. To listen to more prophetic ethics, visit hanarispeaksout.com. Who is Holly Dowling? Holly is a dynamic keynote speaker and inspirational thought leader. You see what we have the ability to do and the power we have. You hold the power for good. Each and every one of us can do something. Holly has inspired millions around the world, including over 500,000 executives. And her show is listened to in 87 countries. Now we're going to spend 25 minutes on your areas of opportunity. Listen to our internationally acclaimed podcast, A Celebration of You, Holly Dowling, empowering those who can change the world. HollyDowling.com. This is the Women to Watch. Education Watch. Hi, it's Colleen Hanich. I'm the president of LaSalle University, and this is your Education Watch. Colleen, it's great to have you. Tell us what the first step is in the college process. So when I think of searching for college, it's really a two-point process. It includes planning and research. And by planning, I mean your prospective student sits down with their parents and starts talking about the kind of school they're looking for. Big, small, close to home, far away, uh, a religiously affiliated or a non-affiliated, a school that is urban, a school that is rural. That conversation has to happen at the beginning, and that leads right into some heavy-duty research. So starting to look at the schools themselves, what they're known for, what their best programs are, what their culture is like for students who are looking for you know a lot of sports or not a lot of sports all of that goes on in the early days your student will have been thinking about this for a long time but this is really to get the parents up to speed on starting to think very seriously that college is on the horizon how about planning financially well, that's the tough one. As you know, higher education in this country has become just an unbelievable expense for families. And the sooner you start that planning, the better. We're going to do um, a segment later on, Susan, on affordability. But I will just say at this point, you really need to be thinking about this long before your senior starts focusing on what comes next. Affordability is something that families need to, to consider years earlier so that they figure, is it going to be debt financed? Is college going to be on your savings? Is college grandma and grandpa going to help? What is your plan? You need to have one so that a student doesn't end up at college with um, very little resources and a lot of debt. A last minute tip to survive the process? Last minute tips, I'm a planner, so you've got to have a plan. You are going to be a road warrior. When your senior is narrowed it down and looking very seriously at colleges, you're going to be driving driving and flying and checking it out. Be flexible, be open, go even if it's raining on an open house day and enjoy every moment. Terrific, thanks so much. Looking Thank forward you. to next week. Now more of Women to Watch.
Lunch with Sue Rocco. Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Just before the break, we were talking about failure, which I think is is probably one of the most important things we can share um, honestly with people if we want to inspire, particularly women. And Jennifer, you were going to uh, mention uh, a setback in your own life that may have brought about a great lesson for you. Sure. So it, it's true. I, I do believe firmly that failures are a key part of the process and that people, no one will be successful unless we we get good at really overcoming obstacles. And one uh, relatively recent one that is top of mind for me is during my time at change.org, while a lot of things we did there went really well, especially right away, we were growing really quickly. We 10 times the audience, we were winning all these campaigns. One of the other things we had to do was find a business model that would help the company be sustainable. And early on, we thought that we would use an advertising model. And after a couple years into that, it became clear that that wasn't going to work and Mm -hmm. that we needed to shift to more of a a paid subscription model. And that was a really, really hard time because we had hired a lot of people around the advertising model who, as we changed that model, were no longer needed Mm -hmm. at the company. And we had to let go of, you know, essentially our entire sales team. And it was a moment where I had to step up and take a lot of responsibility for mistakes I had made, bad decisions I had made along the way that were now impacting people in, you know, a major way. And it taught me a lot about taking accountability as a leader. It also taught me about the types of ways that people react to crisis moments like this. Mm-hmm. And I, I learned in my mind, there are actually four archetypes of people in crisis moments. It's kind of like if you imagine your house catches on fire, I ask people, what type of crisis responder are you? And there are four types. There's, there are firefighters, people who just want to get in there and solve the problem, put the fire out. There are fire inspectors, people who say, okay, we can put the fire out, but unless we really unearth what caused the fire in the first place, we won't be able to prevent this from happening again. There are EMTs who are the people who in that crisis moment want to make sure everybody's okay and take care of the people around. Mm -hmm. And then the fourth type is what I call the doomsdayer, the people who Mm -hmm. say the house caught on fire. Oh my God, the whole neighborhood is going to catch on fire. What are we going to do? Right. Right. And for, you know, for, For leaders, it's important to understand which type we are and to surround ourselves with the people who balance us Mm. and also to make sure that our teams have the first three types in a good ratio and try to not hire people who are doomsdayers onto our team. Mm. And which one are you? Yeah, I think (laughs) it's funny. I, I think my natural, I certainly have a bit of EMT and quite a bit of firefighter in me. Yes. I was telling someone I worked with the other day this, this story, though, and she said, I think you're really fire inspector. And I hadn't really seen that in myself. So it's interesting. Sometimes people see different things yeah. uh, in us than we catch in ourselves. Right. You know, so much of your work, um, Jennifer, has has been around, you know, movements, as we talked about, and and just really trying to make the world a better place. Um I always think about, you know, the the idea that we can individually solve the world's problems is is very daunting. And for those of us, and I would say most women who really want to change the world and make things better and help, um, 
I think we all have a different belief system, and I wonder what you would say to people who believe we can only change ourselves, and then that in turn changes the world, that the idea of changing the world, you know, our alone is is something that really cannot be done. And, and I just would love your perspective on that. So my belief is that the only way we change the world is if each of us stands up and does our part, however small or large that may be. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that can change the world is individual people taking action. If each of us sit back and think someone else will do it, then no one will do it. But it is the combination of those small actions that make a difference. And in Purposeful, I tell the story of countless movement starters from all walks of life. They are teenagers. They are grandparents. They are people who've been incarcerated. They are people with disabilities. And the things they have in common, the first is that they have the courage to stand up. And I liken this sometimes to starting a standing ovation. Mm. And I actually encourage people who are thinking of wanting to change the world to literally start by trying to start a standing ovation at the next, you know, performance they go to, because it's that same feeling. It's that feeling of, okay, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to say, I believe in something and I'm going to ask other people to join me. And it almost never happens that when people do that, the other people don't join them. It's just one of those things. And movements are the same way. So every single movement that was started in the book that I describe from, you know, people who address rights for people with disabilities, for sexual assault survivors, for people who got women on the currency in Canada, all of these examples were started by an individual or a small group who said, I want to do something, and they started with one small action. It might be emailing their friends, it might be starting a fundraiser, it might be starting a petition, it might be starting a Facebook group. It doesn't have to be enormous from the beginning. You know, you don't have to wake up and be Gloria Steinem like one day. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good to know. Well, here's a question for you. Do you think that movement starters, those people, um, are at a different level uh, in their personal development than those who um, don't take that step? Because, you know, we talk a lot on the show about there's professional development and personal development and Personally, I feel that, you know, unless you have come to a place where you've you've really grown in in your personal um, being and 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 reflecting on yourself, can you reach any certain level of success? So, in the movement starters that you've come across, do you see that commonality where they just are they just believe in themselves? It is true. You have to you have to believe in yourself and you have to believe in the idea that you are pursuing. I truly believe that anyone can do this, but if you are unsure, then you are less likely to be effective. How do, the fact that any people from all different of all different types can do it means that anyone can do it. That's true. That's true. And and we've seen that. And and what is your um, leadership style? How do you motivate your own team at Facebook? Yeah, so again, I think my leadership style, I, I describe it as a coach. Uh, I, I, one of my favorite things, which comes from Ken Blanchard, is even the best athletes in the world have coaches. You know, you think about it, Serena Williams has a coach, Michael Jordan had a coach, 
uh, they, their coaches aren't necessarily better at, you know, serving in tennis or shooting free throws than they are, but they see things that can make them better and they're open to taking feedback. So I try to stay open to taking feedback as a leader and I try to approach my team as my job here is to help you be the absolute best you can be. And when people are on that path, they're really motivated. I've actually, I've done a lot of research on what motivates people at work and they're motivated by three things. One is purpose, meaning in their work. The other is growth. They want to learn and be developing. And the third is connection. They Mm. want to work with people they trust and respect. Well, listen, you've shared some great, great insights and I so appreciate you taking time with me today uh, to share your story. And I wish you continued success at Facebook. Thanks so much. That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch. Thank you so much to our sponsors and our watch team for helping us to bring you the real story behind her title here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Have a great week, everyone. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.